Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestselling books and recommendations from booksellers from around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. In June, Libro.fm is launching their Kids Club and YA Club, which will offer select audiobooks priced under $10 each month, as well as their Summer Listening Challenge. Each person to finish will get free audiobook credits and the chance to win free audiobooks for a year if you complete the challenge extra credit. Listeners of Kidlit these days can get a three month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro FM, that's L I B R O dot F M, and enter code B R 3. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. And welcome to episode eight of Kidlet These Days, a Book Riot podcast. Kidlet These Days is your Kidlet connoisseurs pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. I'm Karina Yan Glazer alongside Matthew Winner, and we are here to have conversations that create opportunities for parents, grandparents, teachers, librarians, and all who love children's books to engage in the world through literature in a deeper and broader way. We are recording on June 19th, 2019. Happy Pride Month, Karina. Happy Pride Month. You know, cities across the country are celebrating with pride parades and demonstrations of inclusion toward our LGBTQ plus communities and challenging old and outdated norms, discriminating against our queer brothers and sisters. It's also the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, a series of spontaneous violent demonstrations by members of the gay community uh, against a police raid that began in the early morning hours of June 28th. 1969 at the Stonewall Inn in the Greenwich Village neighborhood of Manhattan in New York City. I should say, actually, not just the gay community, the queer community. There were many, many trans and lesbian uh, activists that were at the forefront of those riots. We have You can tell so much ground to cover in today's episode. Plus, we have Stonewall Award-winning author Kaysen Callender joining us. So let's get started. Yes. And before we get into um, the bulk of our episode, a word from our sponsor. So this um, episode is sponsored by P is for Pterodactyl. It's perfect for anyone who has ever been stumped by silent letters or confused by absurd homophones. This whimsical, unique book takes silent letter entries like K is for Knight a step further with the noble knight's knife nicked the knave's knee. Lively illustrations provide context clues and alliterative words help readers navigate text like a bright white gnat is gnawing on my noki with ease. Everyone from early learners to grown-up grammarians will love this wacky book where A is for aisle, but Y is definitely not for Y. All right. So. <laughs> love that. Yes. Love that so picture book. <laughs> um, okay. So. In New York City, we have been seeing so many symbols for pride. It's been really awesome. And actually, my husband and I, we were at a Broadway play yesterday, the one that just won Best 
play for the Tonys. It's called The Ferryman. And I was really happy to see that on um, the playbill, um, the banner was in pride colors. And that's never been done before. They've used, you know, they usually have the the normal like black and white uh, banner for the playbill and um, and for uh, Pride Month they they have the rainbow up there so that was really cool and I've been seeing um, just stuff all over New York City celebrating Pride it's been really cool and cool. Matthew and I you know we've been sort of um, thinking about this episode for a while and one of the uh, the things that had happened was that we both saw the top 10 most challenged books as reported by the American Library Association. We'll link to that in our show notes. And that comes out every year. And both of us noticed that six out of 11, well, they had 11 banned books or most challenged books um, for this year. And six out of 11 of them had LGBTQIA themes. Um, so they were George by Alex Gino, and that was banned for including a transgender character. The second one was A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo by Jill Twist and illustrated by E.G. Keller, and that was banned for including LGBTQIA themes. Captain Underpants and the Sensational Saga of Sir Stinks a Lot by Dave Pilkey. Uh, <laughs> it's just to hear you read I that. I know. It's such a long <laughs> title. Um, and that was challenged for including a same-sex couple. Uh, Drama by Raina Telgemeier was banned for including LGBTQIA themes. And the picture book, This Day in June, by Gail E. Pittman and illustrated by Christina Litton um, about a pride celebration was banned for LGBTQIA themes. You know what I love about banned books? They're often challenged because kids are drawn to them. Right. And because librarians and teachers are pushing and promoting them. Otherwise, like there are so many other queer books that could be challenged that folks just aren't aware of. Right. Like, listen, people, there are queer people everywhere. Right. <laughs> um, but it's it's the the major books that you see challenged. And um, to have so many of them on the top challenged books, come on. It says, I think it really speaks to where we are as a nation right now, that not only are we getting rights like we've never seen before for the LGBTQ community, but also a resistance to that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, 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 I think a formative time in our nation where we are, we're trying to find the way. And, and I, I hope that in doing that, that we all can just make space for one another. I agree. The um, I, I caught the other day on on Vice News on HBO, uh, of, of they're doing different video clips for Stonewall 50 in celebration of the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. And Vice News had a feature with trans activist Miss Major um, revisiting the Stonewall riots, and it was the video is free to view online. So we'll just throw it in the show notes at bookriot.com slash listen. You can find them. Uh, but it was really powerful to hear an activist say all these years later, uh, even, even in trying to fight for queer rights within the LGBTQ community, there's still issues of, of how history is being written. And unfortunately, a lot of that history is is being written focusing on gay men and not on a lot of these trans individuals and non-binary individuals and other people that 
that were at the forefront of, of activism at Stonewall and at other parts of queer history. So really important things going on in the news that we all, I think, should be um, reading up on, being aware of, so that as we are being inclusive and reminding ourselves of the fight that is going on in the LGBTQ community, that 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 it includes much, much more than just the individuals represented by those letters. Uh, that it's that 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 there's a lot going on under the surface. Um, that uh, we need to make sure that that we that we are writing history the right way. Right. And um, today we're so excited because we have an award-winning author with us today. Kaysen Callender was born and raised in St. Thomas of the U.S. Virgin Islands. Kaysen Callender is the award-winning author of the middle grade novel Hurricane Child, the young adult novels This is Kind of an Epic Love Story and Felix Ever After, and the adult novel Queen of the Conquered. Kaysen was previously an associate editor of Little Brown Books for Young Readers, an imprint of Hachette Book Group, where they acquired and edited novels including Tyler Johnson Was Here by Jay Coles, the New York Times bestseller Internment by Samir Ahmed, and the Stonewall Honor award-winning novel Ivy Aberdeen's Letter to the World by Ashley Herring Blake. They enjoy playing RPG video games in their free time, and they really wish they had a dog. Kaysen currently resides in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. My name is Kaysen Callender. Um, all of you might have remembered me as Corinne Callender. I am the author of Hurricane Child, and this is kind of an epic love story. And the forthcoming books, um, Queen of the Conquered, which is an adult novel, King and the Dragonflies, and Felix Ever After. I use either they, them, or he, him pronouns, but maybe about 70 to 80% of the time I prefer they, them. And uh, I write middle grade and young adult and adult in all genres. So my day-to-day schedule really has no routine ever since I quit my full-time job. So um, this can be great some days, and some days this can be absolutely horrible. Uh, The days that I really love it, I like it because I have um, the ability to kind of just flow from waking up deciding whether I'd like to write in a cafe or read in the park or just rest or play video games or anything else I want to do. And this also gives me a lot of free time to um, do a lot of great events. I've been able to do a lot of school visits and readings. But uh, unfortunately, this can also mean having too much free time and kind of losing um, track of everything I'm supposed to be doing and losing the discipline to continue with my work. So I have to really stay on top of myself to make sure I'm working every day like I should. Well, make sure you keep working every day because we need more and more and more books from you. <laughs> I feel so blessed even just as a as a school librarian to have Hurricane Child and to know that, well, to learn from reading that book um, and reading your bio that that you've also helped to bring other books to to all of us. But I digress. We brought you here because, as you know, it's Pride Month. Happy Pride, Kaysen. Happy Pride. We would both love to know what Pride means to you. Pride means to me. Um, you know, recently, Pride has meant self-love and self-celebration. Uh, when I was younger, a lot like Caroline in Hurricane Child, I was very bullied. I was very isolated. Uh, and I think that this has had an effect of, um, as I was growing up, and even in recent adult years, really kind of wanting and needing validation from others, almost as a permission to exist. 
So I've been working on giving myself validation and permission. And I think that uh, at its essence, this is pride. This is uh, why we fight for our rights. And this is why we fight for our own existence, not needing the validation of others, knowing that we give ourselves permission uh, to exist and to love ourselves. So um, for me, pride is validating and loving yourself no matter what others think of you um, or no matter how others feel about your identity. I love that, making space for you and for each of us to make space for ourselves and in that space, being able to see one another. Good for you. I'm glad that you're, I know it's a journey, but that you're that you're at a place Thank that you're you. able to say that. Because I, you know, I think of the babies. I think of, of my young students, my young queer students who um, are just starting to question their identity and see how they fit in the world. And um, I like the thought of them making space yeah. for themselves. So Kaysen, Hurricane Child has been so well received and it has this gorgeous cover. I think I was just really struck by how beautiful the cover was. And it's gotten starred reviews. It won the Stonewall Award in 2019. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, can you <laughs> for those uh, listeners who might not um, encounter, might not have encountered your book yet, could you just share a little bit about the story? And um, I'm assuming, like you said before, that it's inspired partly by your own experience and your upbringing. But if you can share that with our listeners, that would be awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. So Hurricane Child is about 12-year-old Caroline Murphy and her search for her missing mother. She thinks that her mom um, in St. Thomas of the United States Virgin Islands, which is where I'm from, she thinks that her mom has been stolen away by a spirit called the woman in black. And she uh, needs to go on a journey to find her mother. But meanwhile, um, she's being very, she's being isolated and she's being bullied by uh, all of her classmates and teachers. Um, and everything changes when a new girl named Kalinda comes to town. And Caroline, for the first time, thinks that she uh, could feel accepted and loved by someone who is Kalinda, um, and they begin to develop feelings for each other. But unfortunately, in St. Thomas, uh, there is quite a lot of kind of cultural homophobia. So they both struggle with internalized homophobia and struggle with their identities as they go on a search together for uh, Caroline's mom. And this is definitely inspired by my own life. I did not have a mother that was stolen away by a spirit, but I felt very isolated and very bullied um, growing up in St. Thomas, and I didn't quite understand my own queer identity yet or my own gender identity since I'm a trans person. But uh, it just definitely played a part or a role in feeling like I couldn't quite fit in. So I wanted to write Hurricane Child for, very specifically um, at first, for people in the Caribbean who felt like they were alone because of the cultural homophobia that we deal with on a daily basis. But I'm so happy that um, Hurricane Child ended up resonating with so many people, regardless of whether they were from the Caribbean or not. Have you received any feedback from from people in the Caribbean or people that you grew up with who might have encountered your story? I have. I uh, received messages from people from St. Thomas who were also queer um, and kept it a secret and were just grateful to have a story that could make them feel like they were also seen. Um, and without really realizing that by messaging me, um, they also were helping me feel seen and validated in a way because I didn't 
I think it always helps me to know when there's someone else who is queer in St. Thomas and understood the, the feelings that I've felt and struggled with. I think about the kind of bravery it takes to reach out and just say something to someone else to say, hey, mm-hmm. your story was really important to me, um, especially when they might not have ever had someone in their life that they feel like they could say that to before, um, being able to speak their truth in that way. And and I was reflecting on all of the students that, that you're able to meet and the, the teachers and the librarians through your school visits and book festivals. And we were both talking about being mm-hmm. at ALA this upcoming weekend. And I, I wonder... I wonder what that experience is like for you to encounter children, staff who who may not yet be familiar with LGBTQ centered stories. Um, I imagine that um, not only are you not hiding the story from the children, but that you might also be encountering individuals, both young and 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 older, in, in the staff and the parents that might not have encountered. Uh, a trans author, trans characters, uh, queer stories. They might not have encountered this yet. Uh, and, and here you are as their, their, their first, their first uh, entryway into those stories and those voices. I wonder what, what that experience has been like for you. And maybe for those individuals that might be listening and, and have, have not had that experience yet, maybe because, They've been afraid of what backlash might be from the parent community if they invite a queer author into the school or um, because they just they're just not thinking about it yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is clearly an extremely loaded question case, and I'm so sorry, but I just if you don't mind sharing just a little bit about what it means to be queer in front of students who may not yet have realized um that, that there are people different from them? You know, there are students who... So Hurricane Child in particular has been um, a great book to discuss with students who might have never met another queer person or thinks that they've never met another queer person. Um, and also to discuss with students um, and teachers who have potentially struggled with anti-queerness and are trying to learn more. So um, in the book, there's also quite a lot of like racism and colorism. So I think it's easier to make a parallel between something that they understand is wrong, such as racism um, and homophobia. And so discuss those parallels as an entryway into um, queerness and why queerness is something that can be and should be accepted. Uh, So those have been important moments. The most important, uh, really life-changing moments, though, for me have been meeting students that you could tell had never met another queer or trans person so openly and so happily and also could be potentially um, questioning their own identity. So there had been a student, for example, who, you know, I would start by saying my pronouns are they, them, or he, him. Can we go around the room and introduce ourselves and say what your pronouns are? Um, And you can see that the student very tentatively um, said, I think that I might be trans and I use she, her pronouns. And I could see the tension in the other students, but just to see uh, that other, that students, that particular student's eyes kind of just like light up and feel like they weren't alone for that moment um, really kind of hit home for me for why I am doing this. I think it can be easy as a writer to feel like I'm writing in a bubble and I'm not really seeing how the stories are impacting others, but to 
know for um, even just that one student that they feel like they are not alone and that they have someone that they could potentially look up to. Um, yeah, it really created more of a drive and urgency in me to continue telling my stories. My word, I feel like I'm I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I I'm so grateful that you could help anyone feel like they're not alone. I, I I can't speak for your childhood, but I those those feelings of aloneness are real, and they were something that for me I it, it was into adulthood that I even realized that like I was okay, mm-hmm. right? And so the fact that you're encountering mm-hmm. encountering children during the period in their life when they're forming their view of the world and you're able to step into that that special space and and just be proof for them that it can be okay and that 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 there there are people in the world that will love you and that will accept you and that um you may have allies in places you didn't even realize mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about how powerful that must be for kids, you know, because you coming into a school as an author is already so exciting. But then you coming in and um, talking about your books and how they relate to your own life and how powerful that must be for kids who are questioning and may not have had any role models that must be really powerful. Okay, Kason, we have one last question, and then all three of us will book talk some titles. Um, so our last question is, you have worked in the kidlet industry for a while. You were um, on both sides as an author, as well as an associate editor at Little Brown Books for Young Readers. What changes have you seen in the industry with regards to LGBTQ content in children's literature? I've been having this conversation a lot with, I, I call them giants because there's a quote um, to stand on the shoulders of giants. So the people who have really paved the way for uh, authors like myself. Um, I've been able to have some conversations with people who have been doing this for a long time. And they tell me the ways that things have just changed so much that uh, so quickly that um, I'm so grateful for and it makes me kind of cautious to say what I think is still the truth, that I think that we still have so far to go. Um, so I am grateful to authors like Jacqueline Woodson and Melinda Lowe, who've really helped to create that change. Um, and I know that publishers once upon a time would have said that queer literature is just too niche, but because of books like um, Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda and The Gentleman's Guide, uh, to vice and virtue hitting the list and what if it's us hitting the list um i think that we see uh, that people we have the proof that people are interested and that books with queer characters can sell well but um i still want to be careful of what i consider the obama effect which is people um thinking that things have changed and so because of that the work is done uh in fact i think that there are still so many children and teenagers who are suffering homophobia and bullying and isolation, and it can be hard to see that, especially when publishing is so much in like a big city like New York, where um, we're in a bubble of, in comparison to other places in the country, uh, a lot of safety for queer people. Um, So I'm worried that because so much of the industry is in a bubble like that, that we could become complacent. And I'm also um, 
afraid of the industry kind of choosing a few books and authors to represent that change and to only continue to go to those authors and books if looking for queer representation. Um, and a lot of the time those books uh, feature white, queer, cis characters. So, you know, even though I've been blessed with awards like the Stonewall and the Lambda, um, I do still think that there can be quite a lot of like racism uh, from readers. Um, I see that racism in reviews a lot where readers will say things like, I just couldn't connect with the characters and things that are um, kind of like qualities that could be celebrated in other queer white characters tend to be um, things that are unforgivable for black characters or for characters of color, I should say. And um, I'm not just speaking only as me as a queer author of color, but I think across the board for the queer authors of color right now who are trying to tell their stories, I think this is something that a lot are struggling with. And um, there have just been also examples of readers, unfortunately, kind of trying to wipe queer people of color out of existence where, um, and I, I asked Mason Deaver for permission to tell this story because I just think it so is unfortunately a perfect example of um, how queer people of color can be treated in children's literature and how I think that we need to be a little bit more um, vigilant and a little bit more aware of how queer people of color can be treated. Um, so Mason and I were at BookCon and I was sitting next to them and a fan came up and they were wearing a hoodie that had Mason's book cover on it. Um, and for people who don't know what the book cover looks like, it's a white non-binary character, Ben, um, kind of like hugging um, Nathan, who's a black uh, queer uh, character. And they were wearing the hoodie of the cover, but uh, Nathan had been swapped out for another character who is white from Carry On. So basically Nathan, who was black, was just completely whitewashed. Um, and I think that's the perfect example of how there has been change, but people who consider themselves liberal don't necessarily think about why they aren't investing the same amount of uh, attention and love and um, money, unfortunately, which is necessary for authors to continue telling their stories into books featuring queer people of color. Um, and I can be nervous to talk about this because I'm worried it sounds like I am complaining or I'm worried that it sounds like I'm um, kind of like ungrateful or focusing a little bit too much on my own, or it might sound a little self-serving because I'm an author of color, queer author of color. But this is something I think that really needs to be talked a little bit more about for people to be more aware of the issues so that those changes can actually uh, happen. I'm glad you bring it up because it, it in the library makes me think about what does it mean when we connect or don't connect with a character and how is it any different from how much you feel like you connect or don't with a classmate and, and the value you place on finding mm -hmm. ways to connect in finding ways to to recognize and honor your differences and and use them as opportunities to shine a light on your own life. Exactly. Yep. Well, we're doing the work um, by by continuing to learn. I like the way you said it about that. You're what did I, I wrote it down that you're like learning from giants. Mm -hmm. that you're following the giant. I like the way that you're you're that we're looking toward the people that have come before us and. Um, 
and trying to make sure that it, that we keep fighting and not just say, well, we accomplished things. We're good to go now. Right. Yeah. Um, thank you, Case. And thank you for bringing up those, those words for our listeners and for, I, for us as well. And thank you for sharing all of this insight in your beautiful books with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, well, I'm going to transition us to some book talking, but first I want to read our sponsor. Um, this episode is brought to you by P is for Pterodactyl, an instant number one New York Times bestseller, co-written by author Raj Haldar, a popular indie musician and rapper Lush Life. In a review, the New York Times calls it a ruckus trip through the odd corners of the alphabet. And it was picked as an Amazon Best Book of the Month. It's an unconventional alphabet book. Karina, have you seen this book yet? I have seen it, yes. I, <laughs> it's quite funny. Uh, it's not the same old, same old, from wacky words to peculiar pronunciations. Kids get a, uh, excited about language when they read this book. This book is also great for ESL students, anyone who loves wordplay. And as a fun gift for the wordsmith in your life, I particularly love the page about the letter H and all of the words are like English words that begin with the letter H, but you don't pronounce the H like air. (laughs) It's uh, ridiculous. Um, So let's, well, Karina, let's welcome Kaysen into this wonderful space of book talking. Welcome to your, with your fellow book nerds, Kaysen. (laughs) (laughs) We can't wait to talk about queer books with you. We um, have been, I think all three of us have just been sort of scavenging what, books we have read and connected with and loved. Um, and this is just a small sampling of of um, what is out there and what is being published. But um, Karina, do you want to start? Would you like sure. to start? Okay. So we are going to try to talk really fast. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> you're probably used to that by now. But um, so uh, the first one I would like to talk about is a picture book. It's called When Aiden Became a Brother by Kyle Luckoff, illustrated by Kehlani Juanita. Um, it just came out this month with the publisher Lee and Lowe. And there's sort of two story arcs in this book, which makes it really interesting. So when Aiden was born, everyone thought he was a girl and his parents gave him a pretty name and his room looked like a girl's room. But then um, as he started growing up, he realized that he was a trans boy and he and his parents talked about that and they fixed the part of his the parts of his life that didn't fit anymore. And then he got settled into this new life. And then his parents announced that they were going to have a baby. And Aiden wants to be super helpful and just make everything perfect for the baby. But then he um, starts questioning um, and just wondering, will he be a good brother? Um, what if he messes up? And it's just a really sweet book. And I think... Um, I think a lot of kids will really relate to the characters and um, just really find a lot of similarities with Aiden. Nice. I'm going to go with a book I talk about all the time because, Karina, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but this was the first time as an adult. I was 30, what, what, 33 years old, 32 years old. It was the first time I had ever seen myself in this way reflected in a book. I talk all the time as a librarian about how important it is for kids to see themselves in books. And I've seen my whiteness reflected in books all the time, but I never realized until I read 
this picture book by from Enchanted Lion called Jerome by Heart. It's written by Thomas Scotto and illustrated by uh, Olivier Talek. It was translated by Claudia Bedrick from um, Enchanted Lion. But it is a story of a boy who has committed his life to Jerome, this friend that he just loves with his entire heart. And he is committed that no matter what, he will always love Jerome. He knows Jerome by heart and he defies the world for his love for Jerome. And it just is the child narrating the story and saying, you know, mom was questioning me or dad um, thinks that I should stop talking to Jerome and focus here. But um, a world without Jerome is not a world I want to live in. It's devastatingly sweet. It focuses on questioning, uh, which I think is important that we leave that space for our young children. Not to say that when one boy is affectionate with another, it means that they're queer, but we need to make sure that that in that space, we don't allow shame to enter in, but we allow space for for feelings and for affection and for sincerity. And uh, for me, um, this is a book that really touched on something personal in my life. Uh, so, Jerome by Heart. There you go. Great. Kaysen, have you seen Jerome by Heart yet? I have not. And you're making me really want to, to look into it. Oh, my goodness. I was talking to Alex Gino about it, saying like how obsessed I am with this book. And we were nerding out over it. It's, it's Enchanted Lion is a smaller publisher, so it's not uh, a publisher that that you can often connect with others over the books that they've read. But when you find someone that's read one of the Enchanted Lion books, often there's a really deep connection. And this one in particular, I think, is really special. Kason, mm-hmm. would you like to share a book? Sure. Um, is it okay if I jump into middle grade? Let's yeah. jump. Definitely. Okay. Uh, so um, it was funny because just as uh, Hurricane Child was being sold to Scholastic, I was able to get my hands as an editor on Ivy Aberdeen's Letter to the World by Ashley Herring Blake, which is so similar to Hurricane Child um, and so beautiful, so beautifully written, um, which is, it's very similar because it also has like a theme of a storm. It starts out with a bang as a tornado kind of like rips through um, Ivy Aberdeen's town and misplaces her and her family. Um, I can't remember how many people are in her family, but it's a large family. It's like she has uh, twins, an older sister, her mom, her dad. Um, And so they are misplaced, but uh, Ivy has also lost a journal that has her secret drawings of girls who are holding hands with girls. And she's very afraid that someone's going to find her journal and discover her secret. Um, So when it goes missing and someone starts to leave notes in her locker, about the journal, she becomes very afraid. And meanwhile, she's also developing uh, feelings for another girl in her class. Um, and Ashley Herring Blake is really just a superstar. She um, also came out with another book, The Mighty Heart of Sunny St. James. It's okay if I talk about that too, or should I? Please okay. jump in, I love it. I've, you are selling me on these books. <laughs> this is so good. Um, it's called, I, the new one's called the, or the other one's called The Mighty Heart of- Of Sunny St. James, yeah. Sunny St. James. Um, and I love Ivy Aberdeen letter to the, Ivy Aberdeen's Letter to the World. That is one of my all-time favorite middle grades. So I do not say it lightly when I say The Mighty Heart of Sunny St. James is somehow even better. I don't know how um, Ashley managed this. But so Mighty Heart of Sunny St. James is, it starts with Sunny um, having heart surgery and having to kind of uh, 
recover. And in her recovery, um, she is re reconnected with a mother who she feels abandoned her um, and also struggles with the loss of a friend who um, out of nowhere kind of like betrayed her and also is queer where there's like another girl who she has met and who she is developing feelings for and has a lot of questions that I feel like um, Ashley really managed to get to the heart of in middle school. Like what is the difference between liking someone as a friend and liking someone as a crush? And I think that for whatever reason in middle grade, um, we haven't really explored, a lot of authors just haven't really explored those feelings which are very um, natural uh, for the middle grade age and actually like really just dove right into it. Um, and such a sweet ending. So I really hope that uh, if you haven't picked it up already to, that you'll check out The Mighty Heart of Sunny St. James. Mm, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, I read her first book, I haven't read her second book yet, so. The second one, um, oh, let me see. That one should be coming out if it hasn't already come out. You know, I'm not sure. I feel like it, yeah, it is 2019, duh. <laughs> it came out in March of 2019. So I don't know why I thought that was in the future for some reason. <laughs> well, we will get that right away then. Yeah. Um, okay, let me just quickly book talk two middle grade titles. Um, Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson. Um, so this book doesn't, so this is a memoir. Um if you haven't encountered it yet, um, it's so beautiful and lovely, and it's a memoir of Jackie Woodson's life growing up. And what I found particularly interesting about um, this book is that it doesn't really touch on uh, the time that she's questioning because it happens a little bit um, later in her life, um, but there's a really interesting um interview that she does with Terry Gross on Fresh Air. And she has this quote in there that says, you know, my books are challenged and I am kind of protected from the challenge because it's not like someone calls me up and says, you know what, I'm going to challenge your book and burn it in the schoolyard. What they do is they say, Jacqueline Woodson will never come to our school, but I'm not privy to those conversations. But I definitely know, I remember getting a call from Judy Bloom. She was working on an anthology called Places That I've Never that I've never meant to be. And she said it was going to be an anthology of writers who have gotten challenged. And I'm like, I've never gotten challenged. And she's like, oh, yes, you have. So um, we're going to link to that interview, the full interview in the show notes, which is just a fantastic interview. And I suggest, highly suggest it. And the um, second middle grade book is one that just came out recently. It's called Stonewall Riots Coming Out in the Streets by Gail E. Pittman. It's a middle grade book about the Stonewall Riots, which was a series of spontaneous uh, violent demonstrations by members of the LGBTQ community in reaction to a police raid that took place in the early morning hours of June 28, 1969 at the Stonewall Inn in the Greenwich Village in New York City. And um, it just goes through um, a sort of timeline of what happened, what was going on leading up to the riots, the riots themselves, a bunch of interviews, um, witnesses, there's photos, newspaper clippings. So it's really um, good middle grade book that talks about that event. I'm all over the place with what other books to talk about. So I think what I'm going to suggest, I'll read, I'll share one more picture book. And then 
why don't we, Karina, just include other recommendations in the show notes? We'll just leave some bonus yeah. books down there. So listeners, check out our show notes at bookriot.com slash listen and find this episode, episode eight of Kidlet These Days, and you'll find even more books. But the one I want to end on is brand new. It's called It Feels Good to Be Yourself, a book about gender identity. It's written by Teresa Thorne and illustrated by Noah Grigini, Grigini, I'm I'm so sorry, Noah, I'm butchering your name. You are from France, and I am not pronouncing your name wrong. Um, Teresa is the um, co-host of the One Bad Mother podcast. I don't know if you listen to that. Um, but this book helps with pronouns and helps with gender identity, and I feel like giving that language to readers that might not be familiar with it yet. Um, if I read, um, probably the easiest way is just to read an excerpt. So um, this is Ruthie's brother, Xavier. Xavier is a cisgender boy. That means when Xavier was born, everyone thought he was a boy. And as he grew older, it turned out everyone was right. He is a boy. Boy is Xavier's gender identity. There are so many different ways to be a boy or a girl. Too many to fit in a book. But not everyone feels like either a boy or a girl. Non-binary is a helpful word that can describe a kid who doesn't feel exactly like a boy or a girl. I'll just read one more page. This is Ruthie's friend, Alex. Alex is both a boy and a girl. When Alex was born, everyone thought Alex was a girl, but Alex is both a boy and a girl. This is Alex's gender identity. It goes through a number of different situations uh, or different children that identify in different ways. Um, I love that it allows that power of identification to be in the child's hands always. The child identifies as um, as this identity or, or that. It provides a lot of helpful resources and um, other helpful terms to know. It talks about pronouns. I thought, um, Kaysen, when you were talking about having other children at your school visits introduce their pronouns, that my staff did that at an exercise this year, and I was struck by how many adults hadn't done that before. And so that was sort of a little uncomfortable thing for them to um, to announce their pronouns. And I thought, well, I, I guess, yeah, we're, we're so used to, we're so privileged to just assuming that that the way, the judgment I, I make when I look at you and say, oh, you must be this, therefore your pronouns must be that, um, is, is something that needs to be um, held in a more sensitive place. Anyway, this picture book, feels good to be yourself. It's so vibrantly illustrated. And um, I felt like really provides the tools for for talking to children, but also provides a space for children to see themselves in that book. So that's an awesome one. Hope everyone will check it out. Uh, why don't we uh, wrap up by saying again that these books that we mentioned, uh, including the ones that Kaysen shared and the ones that we didn't even have a chance to share, will be found at our show notes at bookriot.com slash listen. Big thanks to Case and Calendar for joining us today. It's been wonderful. And <laughs> thank you. Yay, thanks, Kaysen. <laughs> and thank you, listeners, for joining us. As always, we would love your feedback on this podcast and always appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts. When you do that, you also help other people find us. You can find me, Karina Yan Glazer, on Twitter at Karina Yan Glazer and on Instagram at Karina is reading and writing. You can find me on Twitter with um, Kaysen period calendar. 
um, and Instagram, Kaysen Calendar without a period in between. Nice. We will link that in the show notes. And you can find me, Matthew Winner, on Twitter at, at Matthew Winner or on the Children's Book Podcast, which you can listen to on your favorite podcast app. If you have a story idea, reach out to us on social media or email us at kidlitthesedays at bookriot.com. We would love to hear what you're thinking about and what you would like to hear on the show next. May your coming days be storied and may those good stories keep on coming. <laughs>